I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be with them, and I am with you. And so we're not going to uh, sing because Rebecca's going to wait to
I'm Dennis Shai, and this is my wife, Monica. Uh, Grace asked both of us to, to share, and, and uh, thank you. What a privilege to be able to do that. Um, we came to this church nearly more than 20 years ago, just a small little congregation, just meeting in the, the house itself. And uh, we had a bunch of kids and a lot of teenagers, and they were all mesmerized by Bill. He, Billy was just like a pipe piper to them. Our older boys looked at Billy and, and knew that he was just a war hero. And our younger little girls loved him because he was always teasing them and making them laugh. And, uh, Billy was just always eager to, to meet people. I, I remember the first day that uh, he and Grace started coming to church here and, uh, and meeting, meeting Billy. And Billy uh, just impressed me so much uh, that he was walking with the courage that he had, the, uh, the stamina and the strength, because he was walking with two crutches and he still had his legs there. And he was walking around with a smile on his face, determined to put a smile on everyone else's face that he met. Uh, just an incredible guy. And so I'm going to turn over to Monica, Monica and let her speak for a few minutes, and then I'll be back. So. Well, after Billy and Grace came to COVID, we invited them to come to our small group and share their story. So they came to dinner one night, and um, Billy shared with us that he grew up in the church, and he had made a profession of faith, but he had a certain, a very certain encounter with God through the injuries that he sustained when he stepped on a landmine that impacted his heart and body in a direction that changed his life forever. When he returned from Vietnam, he was in a military hospital in Charleston. And Grace was a senior in high school, I believe, at that time, and working as a nursing assistant. Well, through her aunt's church, she became involved with a youth group that had a Christmas carol event. And uh, she went along. It so happened that Billy was home for the holidays. They met. Sparks were ignited. And the rest was history. <laughs> they dated for two years. And then they were married. And Grace finished uh, at Piedmont and became a registered nurse. So much of what I know about Billy came from observing Billy's love for people. In John 13, 35, we're told, By this everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. That could have been Billy's life first. And I knew about Billy through my friendship with Grace. She once shared with me that Billy told her early on, I never want you to feel sorry for me. Billy had a really can-do spirit. And so does Grace, by the way. They're a very determined, strong, capable, competent couple. And I saw in Grace, I have seen in Grace, a beautiful example of balance. She honored and respected her husband. And she tenderly cared for him had compassion and kindness over the public decades. Billy and Grace had a hand in both ministry, both engaging personalities, gift of hospitality, servant hearts, and who doesn't love Grace's town cakes? <laughs> so I have to share a story, a little story of about eight years ago. Dennis's mother was on her way to heaven via Hillside Side Hospital. And the family was taking turns spending the nights with her those last days. 
Grace called me one evening and said, um, I've made a cake, I've made a pound cake for your family, and Billy's going to bring it up to the hospital. So, sure enough, he did, and I met him at the entrance to the lobby. He drove up in the van with the cake, and so warm. And we chatted a bit, and then I was, I said, well, I'm going to take the cake to the car rather than taking it upstairs. I'm going to go put it in my car, and then it'll just be tucked away safely for when I leave in the morning. Billy said, yeah, maybe you're not walking across this parking lot by yourself tonight. Get in the van, I'm going to take you to your car. He insisted. I did. And then he wanted to make sure my car was locked before he drove me back to the entrance of the hospital. Billy was a gentleman in every way. And in addition to possibly testing Grace's patience at times, Billy adored, cherished, appreciated, supported his life. Now the unique circumstances around Billy and Grace's marriage was a blessing to behold. Theirs was a testimony to that which God ordained the model for relationship with Christ in the church. And although Billy had numerous physical challenges, including shrapnel still in his body and some loose wires and two missing legs, <coughs> Jesus was beautiful and Billy. And Billy was Jesus with skin on those of us who really loved him. Billy became known at the church here real quick for his generosity and his desire to help people. Also his desire that people didn't need to help him. He was uh, an independent person. His generosity uh, started early in his life. When he left Western Electric, he told Grace that he wanted to own his own business. So he did. He went and bought a well drilling business. Uh, that was one of his passions, was to own his own business. He, he had another desire, and that was to share Christ with everybody he came in contact with. And he merged those two together. And here he was. He set off to hate for 10 years to drill wells in, in, in you know, just small areas that didn't have clean drinking water. That was his desire, to do that for free. So he did that. He went down there. And the Haitian government didn't like that very well. They wanted him to drill wells where they wanted it, not where he wanted to build them out in the small villages. So you know Billy as well as I do. Billy had a deal with him. And he said, I will drill a well you can pay me for, but for every well that I drill that you want me to drill, I'm going to drill one somewhere else that I want to for free. And so that's the way he got into the country and he began working. What a blessing that is. Billy had a heart and a passion for those in need, especially those with special needs. And we all know Billy had his own special needs that he needed to work through, but he never let that get in the way of serving others. It was always a delight to hear how Billy and his friend Gary Gambrell used to get in Billy's van and they'd drive around and they'd see all the shut-ins and uh, sick people from the church, not only the church, but way beyond that. Uh, here they were, going out to, to see people. Billy was um, my dad, who's 102 years old now, was a recipient of part of that ministry. Billy would take him to lunch, would take him, uh, bring cake to him. He would take him and they'd sit on Gary's porch and chat. My dad and Billy kind of had a bond together. My dad was a, a World War II veteran and Billy, of course, was a Vietnam veteran. And so they had this special bond. And my dad still says today, that man suffered so much. Billy frequently was in much more shape than the people who were going on a visit. 
but my dad recognized that, and, and he did. Billy loved to take damage, use, donate, or buy old wheelchairs, fix them up, and give them to people. What a ministry. What a ministry he had. Um, one family in our, in our congregation stands out to my mind, uh, the Chandler family. That family uh, adopted a lot of children from China, all with special needs. Billy provided all the wheelchairs that they needed uh, for their family. There were other people in our congregation as well. But his wheelchair ministry extended far beyond any church uh, relationship here. He gave anyone. After Billy's friend Gary died, I began spending one, one day a week with Billy. Uh, my intent was to go and help him in any way that I could. My intent was to bless Billy, but I was the one that through that relationship that we had. I remember the first day I walked into Billy's garage um, with the intention of helping him sort through some tools and everything and put it in order. Uh, this was also a hopeful request that Grace had made me as well. <laughs> uh, what a surprise when I walked in there that first day. There were 15 wheelchairs sitting out there in various arrays of, of being repaired or whatever. There were tools everywhere and parts. Uh, you could barely walk through the garage. There was just room for that. Uh, so I went to work and spent several hours and tried to sort through things and put the same kind of tools together and everything. Um, so I came back the next week. And when I walked in the garage, I was surprised to see that the garage looked identical the way it did when I got there the first week. <laughs> I don't know how a man in a wheelchair could create so much chaos. <laughs> But he did, and he loved to, to do that and to, to bless people with that. I learned to, to appreciate Billy's limitations and the difficulties he had. And one of the things that really impressed me was not just that he had limitations and he, and he repaired wheelchairs, but he repaired those wheelchairs from his own wheelchair. Amazing. Billy had enough tools that he could start at his own Home Depot uh, if he would have wanted to. Um, we had a young couple staying with us uh, from the Bahamas, Courtney and Chris and Christina. Uh, they were here living in our home because they had graduated from college. It was during COVID. Uh, he had a job waiting for them. They were waiting for a green card. Everything was slowed down and processing during COVID. Uh, so as a result of that, Courtney started going with me to Billings. So there were two of us there uh, once a week. And Courtney was very impressed with Billy's tools. He had you know, three of everything, three blowers, three sanders, three whatever, or more. And Courtney, I remember asking one time, said, Billy, why, why do you have three of everything or more? And he said, well, laughed, and he said, no, if I lose one, I got two backups. <laughs> so Billy enjoyed his tools uh, very much. Um, Billy always had a sense of humor. Always, no matter what the circumstances were. Uh, most importantly, he knew how to laugh at himself as well. I remember Courtney, and we were sorting through things one time, found a pair of boots, and he walked up and he said, Billy, what, where do you want to sort these boots? And Billy laughed and said, throw them away, I don't need those anymore. <laughs> Just, that was, that was Billy. He liked to maintain things well in this house. One of the projects that we took on together was staining his new deck. So here I am, sitting on the deck on the floor with a brush, painting his, his, his deck board. Billy's in his wheelchair with a roller, rolling around, uh, 
doing it as well. Uh, unfortunately, he was also rolling through the scene and rolling the scene. I can't tell you how many clips of stain, at least five I know of, that were put on that deck. So it's finished well. Billy told me a story once about the time that Grace left him to go to Statesboro to visit some friends uh, and family. And so he was there by himself overnight. And, you know, Billy's not going to sit still. He went out in the garage and started looking around. And guess what happened? Fell out of his wheelchair. It's not the only time he fell out of his wheelchair. But he was by himself. He couldn't get back in his wheelchair. Said, I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to bother anybody. So I just started scooting up the, the ramp and he scooted all the way up the ramp. It was wintertime, it was cold outside. I scooted all the way up the ramp, got the kitchen door open, and slept on the floor. So, you know, if you know Billy at all, you know that that's, that's just the way he was. Um, another time um, I got there and I knocked on the door. Grace had left it to run some errands, and there was no one there. So I knocked on the door, no answer. I was kind of afraid of what's going on with Billy, so I cracked the door open and I looked in. And Billy's in the living room with his wheelchair, uh, trying to fix a TV, and there's a thick rug in the wheelchair, and the rug was all balled up all around his wheelchair. He couldn't go anywhere. He couldn't go forward, he couldn't go backward. He was stuck. And so we laughed and worked together to get everything untangled. But just had some wonderful times with, with Billy uh, working with him. The time that I enjoyed the most, though, with Billy was our tender goodbyes at the end of the day. We'd always get together, we'd pray together, um, and Billy was always concerned about other people and what he could do to pray for me. Uh, those were the, the tender times I remember. But the verse that uh, I'd like to read to you, it's out of Romans. I think this really just describes Billy's life. It's Romans 8, 18. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of, the, of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And Billy's with that glory today. Billy would want me to say that he wasn't perfect. But he is now. I love that man. I'm a listen very much.
because machines have a lot of math factors. So, well, he had the necessary things, but I guess you could say he did have somewhat of an humble beginning that I think stuck with him uh, all his life. Uh, he didn't uh, look at himself as uh, better than anyone, or he didn't look up to the other people as being uh, better than him. But uh, his uh, father died when uh, Billy was probably 17 or 18 years old. And I'm told that uh, his father, Bayman, told him when he was dying, he died of a heart attack, that Billy, it's all up to you now. And uh, I think that stuck, that responsibility uh, stuck with Billy all his life. He uh, was always, uh, he was the second born, but put it biblically, it seemed like he had the right in the first one. And uh, so he always uh, looked after his mother and uh, his brothers, particularly his uh, younger brothers. Uh, Billy had a lot of friends. I remember that when he was in high school. And as I said, he was never intimidated. He was not intimidated socially. He was not intimidated uh, academically or mentally. Uh, he was not uh, intimidated physically. Uh, some of you may remember Paul Anderson, the strong man, uh, world's strongest man came to Statesboro to uh, put on an exhibition at Georgia Southern College. And uh, Billy was telling me later, he said, I, I wanted to arm wrestle Paul Anderson. Uh, he says, uh, and he's down at the college pharmacy, and he said, I want to go arm wrestle. So I said, Billy, you couldn't be Paul Anderson arm wrestling. And he said, yeah, but what did I do? <laughs> so, I think he looked at life in that way. He didn't make anything uh, intimidating. Uh, I went to Georgia some a couple of years, and then went to a small junior college church school, and we were both at a turning point in our life, and Billy suggested, let's go to Atlanta and get a job. And so two weeks later, we were headed to Atlanta. We got a job at General Motors, and, uh, rooming together in a rather bad neighborhood near the plant. And uh, they hired us at three dollars an hour and we thought, well, would you, this is more money we're going to see in our life. Uh, we like to work ourselves and have all the overtime they would give us, but uh, the Vietnam War was going on at that time. And uh, neither one of us were in school, so we were open to the great. And uh, I joined the reserves. I found out I was number four on the draft list. And uh, I asked Betty to go with me. No, I don't think you go. Uh, well, later on, Betty was drafted. And uh, I'm satisfied that he requested to be in the Marines and probably requested to be in the infantry. And uh, he had a father that had been in the war. And I think he looked up to his father as a war writer. And uh, he, uh, he was one of these people he uh, seemed to really enjoy danger. I don't know what you call that, but what you call it. But uh, he uh, went to Vietnam and uh, did it on to Vietnam. He was either going to win the Medal of Honor or either he would come back uh, wounded or, or dead. 
But uh, I remember when he came back wounded, I went to his mother to see him uh, in the naval hospital. And uh, he had a sheet over his head and he took the sheet off and made a funny face at us. It was kind of an awkward moment. That was just his way of dealing with it. And it was just uh, typical of Bill. Uh, he, uh, some of my experiences with him, I guess that uh, one, one word that would describe my uh, experiences with Billy was excitement. Everything that uh, we did turned out to be exciting. And Billy uh, was fun to be with. Uh, he made everything exciting in some way. It was just amazing. If you went anywhere with Billy, something was going to happen. <laughs> it might be good, it might be bad. <laughs> Most of the time, Excited. I told my wife that she I said that one word excited. She said, yeah, dangerous too. We were on a long trip, Billy liked to go. And uh, just simple things like we went to the uh, state fair at Maitland one night and uh, got a ride down there. At the time when most decent people were in bed, we decided we'd ditch out the space for So we were on the road all night long, and it was cold. We finally, we were walking, we hitchhiked one way, and was just trying to catch a ride in any direction. And finally, the next morning, somebody that knew me that went to school with Georgia's son, picked us up and carried us home. But it's typical of the things that would, uh, would happen. We seem like they always had old cars. We always took off in uh, at a strange time. Uh, one time we broke down at the site of the Another time the car broke down on the highway 80 going to stage cars. And we just parked the car in the parking lot there. That night we caught around all the way home. Uh, boat trip down the Ogeechee River, typical. Uh, boat and motor. Uh, well, Sure enough, we didn't get very far, the motor went out. But uh, we arrived very late at uh, what we were supposed to be. We had a bunch of folks looking for us. But on that trip, incidentally, uh, it was good march. And there was one of these uh, skinny looking white uh, borders I hung way up in a tree, and it seemed to me like 50 yards. Well, then he took a pistol and shot that bird. I'm sure some of that was luck. But uh, he wanted to bring that bird home, so he had to put, put the bird in the boat. Um, one time, Billy called me. He was in the States of and I was in the line. He said, there's a used boat and motor down here that I'd like to get. So let's just buy it. So your car be two one cars. I said, OK. So we put the boat in the Ogeechee River. The, uh, Turn on that boat and drop me again. That number fell off in the middle of the boat. Just typical experiences. One time we got to fight with two guys over nothing. And uh, I'm sure the Lord was taking care of us. Uh, Bennett was the best man on the wedding. Uh, he uh, 
He wanted to make another trip. Oh, I got married, so he said, we'd like to go to Miami, Florida. Well, nothing in Miami, Florida that we needed to go for. But we did, got the car to Miami, Florida, and back then, believe it or not, it was without incident. <laughs> so, uh, we, uh, I couldn't go to Biggest and I was in the military at some camp. Uh, but there were other trips that we took. Uh, our last trip was with Jim Mark to carry him to the Ark, and that was exciting. So I didn't believe in Mark in his wheelchair down And one time that wheelchair hit that door, and that cabin just depressurized. And I thought, boy, oh, this time he's gone. <laughs> Jim Mark holiday and Billy, Billy. Let me say this about Jim Rock. Uh, he, he deserves the crown for the things that he did for Billy. And not just him, George and uh, Gary. Uh, I have a kindred spirit with all of Billy's friends. Uh, and his friends make the world to him. Uh, Billy uh, reminds me of. Uh, I heard about 35 years ago, the name of the funeral, that minister said that, he said, relationships are the most important thing in life. And I've thought a lot about that since then, uh, especially the relationship with the Lord, which I think all good relationships are based on that. But there's not much that uh, you can enjoy by yourself. I have a plan to enjoy things with uh, means a lot. And uh, I, that minister also he said, he said, you need to remember the good and forget the bad. And uh, maybe that's the way Billy and I maintain our friendship. Because neither one of us is perfect. And uh, we were able to forgive and not go to grudge and go on. And so, uh, I just, that losing a friend like that makes me remember what that minister said about relationships are the most important things in life. Uh, the other thing I mentioned that Benny was not intimidated. He had a strong sense of confidence. And I have learned that that's a very important thing in life is a sense of confidence. If when Billy was in Vietnam, if they were asking him if he could take General Westmoreland's place, he said, Yeah, can do that. And we probably would have won the war. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he took a strong interest in other people. He knew how to forgive people and move on. Uh, fear and failure was not part of Billy. A lot of us failed to accomplish a lot. And life because of fear of failure. Well, he tried a lot of things, and a lot of them weren't. Uh, he accepted responsibility, and he uh, used the talents that God gave uh, Even with his limitations, he did it in good. He was not a person that complained, accepted life the way it was, and then was a man of faith. So far as I know, he was constant in his faith in God. Uh, and what not only is that way in my life, but uh, 
I think in reflecting on Billy's lines there, we can a lot of positive things we can take away from that, the importance of relationships with other people. So, uh, as I say, I'm, I'm really pleased that I had the opportunity to tell you what I remember about Billy.
In fact, I think I was going back and trying to remember somewhere probably around, I think about 2018, uh, most of our times together in our meals, he would tell me he was regular, regularly that he was ready to be with Jesus. Not in a morbid way, not in a defeatist way, not in a like I'm giving up, but he would just say, very matter-of-factly, I am ready. I'm ready when God takes me, and I'm excited about what's ahead. And I think that's because Billy had hope. You know, the, the biblical definition of hope is a confident assurance of what is to come. And I think Billy had a biblical definition of hope. He knew what was coming, and he knew he had this hope because of Jesus and what he had done for him. And so that's the first thing I tell you. He loved Billy loved Jesus. I tell you, he loved grace, and he loved his children, and he loved his grandchildren. I know you all know that. I know he showed you that. Um, every time I was with him, he talked about what all of you were doing and what was going on and the things that you had accomplished. He bragged on all of you all the time. Uh, Grace, I don't need to tell you, I know that you know how much he loved you. Uh, he loved you greatly. Uh, it was obvious and evident in the way that you cared for each other. Um, Grace, you have shown all of us what it looks like to care for a husband. was it evident watching you both for many years. And so uh, it's a privilege to be in this church where I've seen so many godly marriages. I think of uh, Billy's dear friend Gary and Doris and, and watching these throughout. And I would put you guys in the same category. So thank you both for just continuing to honor God in the way that we love each other. Um, I know, I just want to make sure all of you know, children and grandchildren, that he loved you so very much. He spent so much time talking about you. And so Billy was uh, a wonderful father and a husband and a grandfather. Um, and the third thing I'm going to tell you, and this echoes what you've heard, he was incredibly generous. Uh, he was generous and servant-hearted in everything that he did and had. Uh, sometimes within the church we'll use the phrase, uh, being generous, of using your, your time, your talents, and your treasure. Right? So not just giving financially or giving the needs, but using the gifts that God's given you and giving the time. And uh, I would say Billy excelled in all three. He was incredibly generous with his time. He was incredibly generous with the ways God had gifted him. He was incredibly generous with uh, his finances and his money and helping others and caring for them. Uh, you saw that in the way he carried himself and saw it in the way that he operated. Uh, pretty much everything that he had, he saw clearly as God's. God had given it to him, and it wasn't his, and so he lived that way. He lived out of an overflow of generosity. I can't tell you how many times uh, he would roll into church and start handing out $20 bills to kids and around Christmas. He'd start going, every kid he saw, he'd wheel up to him and stick it in their pocket and come here. He'd start giving out uh, Christmas gifts, or every time I went to visit him, I couldn't leave his house without some gift for my boys. Uh, watches, movies, sometimes money, sometimes we go out to the garage, the, the garage that Dennis was ever trying to organize. And uh, part of the reason he had three of everything is because he was trying to give me one all the time. He'd be like, you need a blower? You need a drill? You need some, some batteries for your drill? And like, no, 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 take it, take it. I don't need and so I know he had extras, so I needed them, but I feel like part of it was so he could give them to me, because he was constantly trying to just give and give and give. And so Billy was incredibly generous. Uh, and then the last thing I'd say, there's a lot more we could say, but for the sake of time, I'd say he was a really, really loyal friend. And uh, you heard that from Dennis, you heard that from Tony, 
Uh, I know George would get up and say the same thing, and Jim Lott and all these guys that he just befriended and cared for. Uh, I learned a lot about what it means to care for people and to love your friends well from watching Billy Newsom. Uh, I think his friendship here in the church with all the different people that he befriended, uh, I think specifically he and Jim and, and I think he and, and Gary Gambrell and George and Dennis and others, just the way that he loved and cared for them. Uh, I felt like over time I got to be included in his circle. And that was a great gift. That to be to be included in that. To be able to go and sit with Gary and Billy and hear their stories and watch them together and just watch the way they cared for each other. And so I feel like I learned a lot about what it means to, to love your friends and to love them well. Billy was a wonderful, loyal friend. And so uh, I could go on and on about all the things that Billy did and all his wonderful attributes. Uh, you just heard so many of them. I'm sure we could keep giving more and more examples but I want to talk about this faith and, and what that meant in so many ways. It's easy, you know, when we come to a funeral, say it's a celebration of life, and we go, we hear all the good things that Billy did and the different people he loved and the way he gave and the way he cared for his family. And we can say it's a celebration of life because it's a life well lived. And I think you'd be right to say that. I think that's a fair statement. But I think if at a funeral, it wouldn't be honoring to Billy if we stopped just there. Um, I'm not guessing here, this is not speculation, this is from many conversations with him. I know for certain Billy would want each and every one of you to hear what I'm about to say. Um, if we just celebrated kind of the life he lived, and that's where we stopped, we'd be celebrating for the wrong reasons, or not the fullness. Um, I want you to understand, when we leave here today, that this is a celebration uh, not just because of good things Billy did the many years he lived, or the legacy he leaves behind. Um, that would be a celebration, but not the fullness. In fact, I hate to be a downer at a funeral, but if you think about it, if that's all that it is, if that's all that it, all that it was, uh, every single one of us in this room is going to die. Uh, I know that's a real joyous thought at a funeral, but we're all headed there as well. That would be all of us. And if that's all it was, all our memories would fade, and they would go with us, and they would ultimately fade away. That would be a pretty hollow, somewhat short-lived celebration. Or maybe you hear everything that was said today, and we put a more spiritual spin on it, and say Billy was a good man, that he had served, and he cared, and he loved his wife, and because of that, he now must be in a better place. Right? This is a celebration because he's now in a better place, because he was such a good guy. Or maybe we even make it a little more spiritual or more Christian when we say he's now in heaven. And I think that's true. And I think that's getting closer to the true celebration this is to be. But what happens oftentimes is that's the way we think. We add up and we tell about the good things and we say, he must be in heaven because he's a good person. But that too wouldn't be a celebration. Because there's no assurance because no one really knows if Billy did enough good things. And in fact, if we take God at his word, Billy would have had to have been perfect, and he would have been the first person to tell you that he wasn't perfect. Tony would tell you their stories together in some of those things. It's not perfect. So how is this truly a wonderful celebration? And the answer is that Billy has gone home to be with his Savior today. And it's not because he was a good person, and a good husband, and a good friend, or great at serving people, although he was all those things. 
But Billy would want me to tell you that this is a celebration not because Billy deserved to go to heaven by his many good works, but that he is now in heaven totally by the grace of God and what he did for him on his behalf in Jesus Christ. Billy's life didn't earn him a spot in heaven, but Billy's life was lived in response to the spot that was purchased for him at the greatest cost of Jesus. Jesus came not to give us a command so that we could try our best to keep him, so that we could get to heaven. There's no assurance in that, and nothing ultimately worth celebrating. In fact, that would be a burden that none of us could live up to in a way that would crush us. If that were the truth, that we earn our way to heaven, there would be nothing to celebrate because none of us would make it, including Billy. But that's not what we're celebrating. The reality is Billy is with God today. And it's right there in the passage that I read to you at the beginning in John chapter 14, in verse 6, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. See, we are saved, we are accepted, we are brought into eternal fellowship with our Heavenly Father by what Jesus does for us. We are saved by confessing that the life that we live can never be enough in putting our faith in Jesus and what He's done. His perfect life, His sacrificial death, His glorious resurrection is the only way back into the fullness of the love of the Father. And the truth of Scripture is you are saved by what Christ did for you. It's a free gift taken by faith. And so Jesus lived the life that we couldn't, and then he paid the penalty that we deserved, and then he gives us freely the fruit of his work so that we can be in God's perfect presence. And so please hear this. Billy knew that, and he embraced it, and that's why he's in God's presence again. And he told me that many, many times. And I'm not, I'm not speculating, I'm not guessing. He said that over and over. He would tell me, it's by God's grace, and it's what Jesus has done for me. And so I want us to be clear that that's what we're celebrating. Billy's life didn't end this past week. We're not celebrating that death is the natural circle of life, but we are celebrating that in Jesus, death has been defeated. And that Billy has now entered in the fullness of his Creator's love. The very relationship he was created for, he is now experiencing in full. That means no more pain, no more struggles, the fullness of everything that he was created to be. In fact, I want to read just one part here from what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15. Years ago, I did a sermon on uh, 1 Corinthians 15. And uh, afterwards, Billy came to me and he said, I think that's my favorite sermon you ever done. And then about three weeks later, he said, I'm still thinking about that sermon that we talked about in 1 Corinthians 15. And so Apostle Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, if someone will ask, how are the dead raised? What kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life until it dies. And then a little later in verse 42, he says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, but is what is raised is imperishable. What is sown in dishonor is raised in glory. What is sown in weakness is raised in power. And then he says at the end of the chapter, finally, he says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, when the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying it is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so that whole chapter talks about the heavenly bodies that we will inherit when we pass to the next life and we stand before God and He makes us whole. And Billy and I used to talk about that, that passage. And I said, when we get to heaven, we're going to race. We're going to run. And we're not going to be tired. You know, Billy used to love to run in his youth. And he would tell me about it. And I said, we're going to have to run. I hate running because I get tired. I said, I'm going to get to run and not be tired. And your legs are going to work great. And we're going to race together. And he was like, yes. And so we get to celebrate that Billy is in the fullness of everything God created him for. And so as we end today, I just want to remind you. Uh, what Jesus said to his disciples right before he passes, uh, right before the night that he would be crucified. He said, if you knew where I was going, you would rejoice. And so I say to you today that we know where Billy is, and it's all because of Jesus, so we too can rejoice. And so we get to celebrate, and this really is a celebration. Even though we're going to miss Billy, and we're not, we don't get to see him for this short time, we can celebrate today for Billy for what he's gained. So, would you pray with me, and then we're going to sing one more song, and we will be dismissed again. God, we thank you for the life that Billy Newsom lived. We thank you for what a friend he was to everyone in this room. We thank you for the way he touched our lives. We thank you for the ways that you saw fit to use him in the days that you gave him. I thank you for the way he served, and the way he loved, the way he cared for people around him. I thank you for his family. Thank you for the love that he had for Grace, and for his children, and for his grandchildren, the way he cared deeply for them. I pray that you would be with them as they mourn the loss of a husband, of a father, and a grandfather, that you would be with them in the midst of that. I pray the same for his many friends here that miss him or that will continue to miss him. I pray that you would minister to them and comfort them. Uh, we do thank you most of all, though, of the gift that you've given us in Jesus, and that we can celebrate the reality of what is to come because of that. All of it in Jesus' name. Amen.
this today. Uh, there's snacks and refreshments from the fellowship all right after. But uh, I'm going to close in prayer, and we're going to end with the reading of God's word, and then we will be dismissed. God, we thank you for this time that we get together in your name and in this place as we celebrate uh, this life of really new so, so well. That we pray that you would be with us as we go from this place, that you would lead and guide us in all things. We pray that as we spend time together in fellowship today and just sharing. Uh, the stories about Billy and his life that you would just bring many good memories to mind. I pray that you would continue to be with Grace and with the entire family in the morning. And you just remind them greatly of your love for them in this time. And we pray all of it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so here, the reading of God's Word from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not perceive those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Go in peace, and peace of the Lord be with you.